0: Hey, man, at this time, we're going to go ahead and dismiss the children to Children's Church, and I think Amy is the one you're going to, so she'll meet you back there at that door, so it is a blessing to have each of the kids with us. I also wanted to mention, I don't mention this every Sunday, but just as a reminder, there was a time that we took up an offering in each service, and what we've done over the past several months as a result of all the COVID stuff is we have... Uh, Moved that to as you get ready to leave the services today, there'll be individuals with plates that will be by each of the doors so individuals can give as they leave. Uh, Part of the purpose of that is to keep people from having to touch common surfaces. So we want to encourage you, if you still would uh, like to participate in the giving of tithes and offering, which is, of course, what God calls us to do, uh, gives you the opportunity to still do that. It's just in a different way. So... It is great to have everybody with us today. It's great to be able to worship and celebrate the Lord and His faithfulness to us, and certainly He has been good to us. I will just give you a heads up. Uh, As I listen to that song there, I don't know if you caught, but part of that comes from a tune that some of us probably have heard, I'll Fly Away. It's one of my favorite hymns that was ever sung, and I'm not guaranteeing it, but I'm going to tell you already, I'm requesting it for next Sunday just because after I heard it, I thought, man, we need to sing I'll Fly Away. So maybe next Sunday we'll sing I'll Fly Away. So, One of the most beautiful images in scripture is when we see one who is undeserving become the recipient of God's incredible grace. We see it in the Old Testament with people like Rahab or King David. We see it in the New Testament with people like Paul. We don't always think of Paul in this way because we see all the great accomplishments that he was able to participate in, all of the things that he was able to do to help spread the gospel. But the truth is that Paul referred to himself as the chief of sinners. And he was one who stood opposed to the spreading of the gospel in its infancy. Well, another example of this in the New Testament is seen in a guy named Matthew, sometimes referred to as Levi. And today I want us to look at his story. It's found in Luke chapter 7, verse 27 to 32. If you would like to turn in your Bibles there, I invite you to do so as you turn let me describe the conditions of their culture, the the expectation of the people there. It was not all that dissimilar to what we would see today. There was political upheaval. There was hatred among citizens, especially as some would betray their own brothers simply to get ahead for themselves. That wouldn't happen today, would it? In their case, This is probably never more evident than in the life of a tax collector. The tax collectors were viewed as the worst among men. They were typically men of Jewish birth, yet they were given roles in the oppressive Roman government. The governing authorities realized that it would be easier to collect taxes if they involved locals in that process. So a select few were invited to participate. And while it may seem like an honor and maybe even as a privilege, it also brought with it a great deal of difficulty. The tax collectors were hated, not only as traitors to their own people, but often also as thieves. They tended to skim off the top, collecting not only what the government required, but also cheating their brothers and sisters out of additional resources. And of course, the most frustrating part for the people was that there truly was no recourse for this injustice. Who were they going to complain to? The Roman government? They didn't care as long as they were getting their money. So tax collectors were basically ostracized from the community. The only friends they had tended to be, well, other tax collectors. Imagine the shame that came with this role. Even mom and dad likely were embarrassed, hated to actually admit what their sons did for a living. Well, Jesus was all about breaking down barriers of shame and inviting people who were out of fellowship back into fellowship. He was all about offering redemption to a people who certainly did not deserve it. And we see that in this passage today. Look again, we're in Luke five twenty-seven through 32. This is what it says. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes, grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Within this story, I want us to see three separate things that are incredibly important to the message of Christ today. The first is that this encounter with Jesus leads a sinner leads to a sinner finding redemption. Or perhaps it was the redemption that actually found him. Obviously he was not necessarily looking for redemption but it found him that day. On that particular day Levi also known as Matthew showed up to work expecting today to be just like any other day. He sat down and began to extract money from his Jewish brothers and sisters, and this likely made for a very long day, as I can't imagine too many people were excited to see him. Well, as Jesus approaches alongside his new disciples, we actually see earlier in the chapter where he is calling uh, Peter and James and John and Andrew. As Jesus approaches with his new disciples, Jesus extends one of the most profound invitations, anyone could have ever asked. He doesn't call Levi out for all the sins that he has already committed. He doesn't give him some speech regarding what lies ahead, if he stays or if he goes. Instead, he simply says, follow me. Suddenly, Levi gets up, and he walks away from his tax collector's booth, never to be the same man again. What that tells me is first that within this sinful man, he didn't need a lecture. Within this sinful man, there was already a longing for something better than what he was currently experiencing. Yes, he probably had plenty of financial resources, but he was not satisfied with his life. Let me tell you that all the money in the world will never bring satisfaction. Some of you are sitting here thinking today, yeah, but it'd be nice to try it out. All the money in the world will not bring satisfaction. Levi likely felt as if he had sold his soul to the devil to get those resources. And I imagine that many in the community thought the same thing. Proverbs 22.1 says, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. This is better in other words to have a good name and favor is better than silver or gold. All of his riches had come at a great cost. But there's more to it than this. In 1670, I don't think any of you guys were around yet. There's a guy named Blaise Pascal. He published a work entitled Penses, which was a defense of the Christian religion. In it, he said this, what else does this craving and this helplessness proclaim that there was once in man a true happiness of which all that now remains is the empty print and trace. This he tries in vain to fill with everything around him, seeking in things that are not there the help he cannot find in those that are. Though none can help, since this infinite abyss can be filled only with an infinite, immutable object. In other words, by God himself. I'm going to translate that because I've read through it several times. I thought, what is this guy trying to say? What he's actually saying is within each of us, there is a God-shaped hole. And as much as we try to fill that hole with all sorts of other things in hopes that they might bring us satisfaction and we will be complete, the truth is none of those things are able to fill us. There is a God-shaped hole in each of us that cannot be filled except by Jesus Christ himself. We are like the rich man who came to Jesus in Matthew 19. This guy seemingly had everything that he needed, yet he knew that something was still missing. So he approaches Jesus asking, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Apparently what he had was not enough. You know, this also speaks to what God desires of us as those who are children of God. I mentioned that Jesus, I don't know if you caught this, but Jesus doesn't rebuke Levi. He doesn't tell him what a bad guy he was. He doesn't preach at him about the evil that has been within his life. He doesn't preach some long sermon that would guilt him into obedience. He simply invited him to come. Now, I know that there are times that Jesus did speak at depth regarding the sins of an individual. There were times that he preached sermons, and there were times that he had to be pretty blunt with his crowd. But that's not always the case. In this case, he simply invites the man. What that means to me is that each situation is different. Sometimes God will call us to speak directly to the individuals in our lives. Sometimes he'll call us to simply lovingly invite them to come. Every situation will call for a different response. It's not an excuse for us not to tell people about Jesus. Let me make that really clear. What Jesus is doing here is he is inviting them into a personal experience with Jesus. And the expectation was that as he experienced Jesus, his life would be changed. We know that it is initially changed simply because he walks away from his profession. He walks away from his tax booth. That means he no longer has a job. But his transformation would be about much more than just quitting his job. He would become a new creation, God's tool to transform the world. In the years that would follow, his identity would no longer be associated with tax collecting. When we think of Matthew, how many of us actually think of him as a tax collector, or do we think of him more as a disciple of Jesus Christ? The reality is the things that defined him at one point do not have to define him for the rest of his life. And the same thing is true for each of us. You see, this man was known for his ugliness and shame. And I'm not talking about physical ugliness, I'm talking about the ugliness within his life. Yet he became known as something beautiful. The same redemption that he experienced is available to each of us today. And maybe you've been successful according to worldly standards, but you know you've been doing things that have brought shame. Or maybe you're a good man or you're a good woman, but you sense that there is a void in your life, realizing that there's still something missing. Know that just like Levi or Matthew, you can be made new. Regardless of what's in your past, Your life can still make an incredible difference in the present and the future. You can become an incredible light just as Levi did, proclaiming the good news of Christ. One of our four gospels is actually recorded by him, and we look and we celebrate the fact that God transformed him into something special. If God could do that through a tax collector, he could do it through you. Well, in our story, we see that Levi has chosen to follow Christ, and it appears that he decided that he wanted to celebrate this occasion with a meal, and why not? That's what we do, isn't it? So bringing his new best friend with him, he invites his friends to join him for a meal. Now, it's not hard to imagine some of the conversations that surrounded this particular meal. On the one hand, we know that there were some Pharisees who complained about Jesus eating with those people. As many of you know, we just started a Celebrate Recovery ministry here at the church. If you're familiar with Celebrate Recovery, then you probably know that the kind of people such a ministry can draw are what we will often refer to as those people. They're people who come broken yet they have the opportunity to find healing and grace. Sometimes it shows up in addiction, sometimes in our hurts, and sometimes just flat out through sin. In fact, I'll just go ahead and say it. I guess I am one of those people. I am a sinner who has come to Jesus in a broken state Yet I have found healing and grace through him and through his church. The hypocrisy of the Pharisees in our story is almost overwhelming. They're offended that Jesus would hang out with those people. Yet the truth is that they themselves were ungodly people as well. But they felt like they were better than those people. It's just not true. The truth is that we are all sinners in need of God's grace. Perhaps they just didn't realize exactly how much grace they needed. We sang earlier about that grace. Grace, grace. Grace that is greater than all our sin. Every single one of us has had to become familiar with that grace but I'm also intrigued by the rough crowd that Levi would have invited to dinner that night. I meet people often, either through sports or community activities, and it's funny how the conversations change when they find out that I am a pastor. Sometimes even their language changes. I had someone not that long ago who had used some inappropriate language in front of me and they immediately apologized. They said that they knew they shouldn't talk like that in front of me. I smiled and said, you're right, but you probably shouldn't talk that way in front of anybody else either. And then I laughed for a second. I said, but I still love you anyways. I picture Levi inviting his friends over and simply whispering to a couple of them, watch how you speak. This is the rabbi, Jesus, who you're eating with tonight. I've called this a sinner's reception. And you've got to imagine that these guys are pretty rough around the edges. Yet these are the people that Jesus came to eat with. These are the people that Jesus came to reach. In fact, did you catch Jesus' response to the grumbling Pharisees? In verses 31 and 32, he says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He doesn't look down on these individuals. Yes, they're different. Yes, they're rough. Yes, they've got some really ugly things in their past. Instead of blaming them, instead of mocking them, instead of ostracizing them, he loved them. One of the beautiful images within this is that Jesus didn't ask Levi or his dinner guests to get cleaned up before the meal. I'm not talking about with their clothes or maybe getting a shave here. What I mean by that is he knew that they would bring all of their ugliness and brokenness with them. He didn't tell them to go get holy, get rid of all your sin, and then I'll spend the evening with you. Instead, he welcomed them in just as they were. Listen to me, I've already invited you to receive the same redemption that Christ alone can offer that Levi has experienced. But I need you to understand today that he is not calling you to get cleaned up first. He is simply inviting you, come, follow me. Now, you need to know that the closer you get to Jesus Christ, the more he will change you. Imagine Levi and the fact that he would follow Jesus around for the next three and a half years. After a while, he would begin to think and to talk and even act like Jesus. He could probably finish some of Jesus' sentences because he knew him that well. Well, that will happen to you also. As you spend more and more time with Jesus, he will transform your life. He is not content leaving you in your sin. I think of Matthew 6, verse 33, where Jesus says that we are to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these other things will be added unto us. God will grant you the desires of your heart. Now, I'm not a I'm not one of those prosperity preachers. Please understand what I mean by God will grant you the desires of your heart. What makes that possible is the fact that he will also change your heart. The things you desire, the things that you want, they're not going to be the same. The more time you spend with him, the more you will be changed. So yes, this is a sinner's reception. But this is also an opportunity for others to experience the same redemption that Levi had already experienced. You know, I wish that we had more information regarding how this meal impacted the lives of the other tax collectors that night. We really don't. Did any of them choose to walk away from their tax collecting booths much like Levi had? Or maybe they continued to collect their taxes but they stopped stealing from their brothers and sisters. Were they perhaps like Zacchaeus, who declared that if I cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount? Or did they simply walk away with the understanding that they were truly loved by Jesus Christ? What I assure you is they could not walk away unchanged for they had had an encounter with the Almighty God, with Jesus Christ himself. In fact, this leads us to my final point today. I've entitled this as a sinner's repentance. Remember that this is what Jesus said he came for, to call sinners to repentance. This term repentance has become so misunderstood in today's church For many of us, we have reduced it to a moment of confession or some type of apology, and certainly these are elements of repentance. We should confess, we should apologize for where we've allowed sin to exist, but there is so much more that goes into repentance. Repentance is a theme that is echoed often throughout the Old and the New Testaments. For example, in 1 Kings 8, it records a prayer of King Solomon in it, he prays for God's people saying, if they sin against you, he's talking to the Lord, if they sin against you for there is no one who does not sin and you are angry with them and give them to an enemy so that they are carried away captive to the land of the enemy far off or near. Yet if they turn their heart in the land to which they have been carried captive and repent, And plead with you in the land of their captors, saying, We have sinned and have acted perversely and wickedly. If they repent with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their enemies who carried them captive and prayed to you toward their land, which you gave to their fathers, the city that you have chosen, and the house that I have built for your name, then here in heaven your dwelling place their prayer and their plea and maintain their cause and forgive your people who have sinned against you and all their transgressions that have, they have committed against you. The expectation in this passage is not merely that they will confess, that they will repent with their mouths, although it does address them speaking, but they are to repent with all their heart and their souls. That suggests that we're talking about much more than just saying we're sorry. Perhaps the clearest way to see this is what we find in 1 Chronicles 7.14. It's a promise that if we will do certain things, God will do certain things as well. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. I don't know if you caught that, but the word repent never shows up in there. However, it is described. The word repent literally means to turn away. So let me read it to you again. And when you hear the word turn, this is a call to repentance. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn, from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. That means that you must choose to walk away from the sinful choices that have plagued you. Perhaps even walking away from your tax collector's booth. It was what John the Baptist called people to do over and over again. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. It was what Peter called the church to do on the day of Pentecost, instructing them to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it is what Jesus calls sinners to do here with Levi and his fellow tax collectors. I told you that you don't have to change in order to come to Jesus. You don't have to get cleaned up first, it's not the way it works. And I meant that. However, now that you have come to Jesus, you are called to repent. The story is told of Constantine the Great, that he reached a moment in his life when he knew that he needed to follow Jesus yet he was afraid to do so. As such, he waited until he was on his deathbed to actually be baptized. His reasoning was simple. He knew that if he were to fully surrender his life to Jesus Christ, then he could no longer live the way he had in the past. He knew that following Christ required repentance, choosing not to be the same person that you were before. He was blessed to wait until the 11th hour to fully surrender his life to Jesus Christ. I call that sneaking in the back door of heaven. But let me caution you about this for just a moment. There are many who choose to put off a decision to follow Christ. They put it off assuming that they will be able to do so later. They plan to live in the midst of their sin as long as possible, and then at the 11th hour, they will surrender to Christ. Yet many who do so will die at 1030. In other words, don't wait until it's too late. This morning, you've heard me talk about a tax collector who was redeemed. He found redemption in Jesus Christ. You've heard about this incredible love that Jesus had, that he would choose to dwell among these ungodly people, even at this reception. You've also heard me call you to repentance. I want to invite you today to experience what Levi experienced. I want to invite you as the church, to be the church, no longer to allow sin to be what defines you, your past to be what defines you, no longer to allow the emptiness in your heart to define you, but rather I want to invite you to come and follow Christ. And as you do so, I believe that God has great plans in store for you and for the church. Maybe you're going to be a Levi Maybe you're gonna be one of those that will be able to lead your friends. Do you realize that's what he's doing? When he invites all those people to come to dinner, what he's actually doing is he is introducing them to Jesus Christ. Do you have people in your life that you love and you care about and you want so much to see redemption happen in their lives? Man, what if you got to be God's tool to actually introduce them to Jesus Christ? Maybe you've questioned whether your life really matters. I assure you that it does, and God has a great plan for you. Will you allow him to execute that plan in you? If you would bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Father, as we come before you today, we do ask that you would have your way in us. We recognize today that every individual in this room knows what sin is all about, for according to your word, according to what we read from Solomon, according to what we see in the book of Romans, according to what we see even back in Genesis, we know that all of us are born in our sin. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of our God. But we also, many of us today, know the grace that you have made available to us. We know that we no longer have to be known by our shame and regret. We no longer have to be identified by that emptiness that is within us. Lord, I pray right now that you would truly bring redemption in our lives. I pray that as you call us to repent, to turn, as you call us to come and follow, Lord, I pray that you would have your way in each of us, change who we are. With every head bow and eye closed this morning, I want to ask, maybe some of you today would say, You know, Pastor, I am successful in the eyes of the world, but I need redemption. I have received my success at a great cost, and I don't want that anymore. I don't want the shame. I don't want the baggage. Maybe you'd say, Pastor, I'm the one that you're talking about who has that great hole in my heart where it feels like there's something missing, and I know that Jesus Christ is the only one who can fill it because I've tried with other things, and they're not enough. Maybe today you would say, Pastor, I need Jesus to fill that hole. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right where you're at? I want to be able to pray specifically for you this morning. Thank you. Anyone else? Father, as we come before you today, for the one individual, just raise their hand. I pray that, I pray that you would fill the void that has been present within their lives. Lord, I pray that you would allow them right now to recognize that there is fulfillment and satisfaction that is found only in you. Lord, I pray today that you would change who they are, and I pray that you would give them such a mighty purpose. I pray that you would execute your plan in their lives so that they can be more than just someone who's along for the ride, but they can become world changers, individuals who are sharing what they have received with a world that desperately needs to receive it as well. Father, I pray today that each of the individuals who are here, that we would be filled with your spirit and that we would become your tools to change the world around us. Father, thank you for your redemption. Thank you for the salvation. Now I pray that you would transform everything about us, make us an incredible reflection of you. Father, thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I believe today that God is still changing people's lives. A great story, I'll keep this short. It's more of a, uh, I guess, a descriptive uh, way of looking at this saving, cleansing work that God does. Uh, many years ago, I heard someone say this, and it stuck with me. When I got up this morning, I got in the shower, got cleaned up. What I did not do was to take a wash rag and wipe all the dirt off and then get into the shower. That would be dumb. It doesn't work that way. Instead, what I did was I got into the shower, and I got cleaned. What God's called us to do is to step into his grace and allow him to transform our lives, to clean us, to change us, to mold us into something beautiful. And that's what he'll do if you will allow him to do so. It is such a blessing to have each of you with us today. Uh, Again, we do receive the offering, but it'll be at each of the exits as you leave today. Thank you for being with us and go in peace. If you can, stick around for Sunday school too. We'd love to have you. Thank you. And go in peace.